0: What's up guys, it's Cardell Jones and welcome to the first episode of Beyond a Big Ten Ohio State edition and we have a very special guest in the building, former teammate Zach Turnor That's right. I said it right. You said it right. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> fun fact, fun fact everyone that I played with Zach for three years and I always just looked at his last name and just said Turner. I mean it's not spelled Turner, but it looks like it if you quick glance, but you know working with Zach over the last three to four months, I just found out that it's Turnore.
1: Yes, so, that's right dude. Yeah. Hey, and like I told you, man, like everybody butchers it. At this point, I'm like, it is what it is. <laughs> but if we can no. say it right, we might as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for coming on, man. This is a great, um, man. We just go dock right into it, man. I want to get sure. to know you, have a, our audience give a chance to get to know you, man. So, mm-hmm. starting with that, man, where are you from?
1: Yeah, man. So, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, I played lacrosse football all throughout high school. Um, that's really kind of what led me to Columbus, Ohio, out of St. Louis. You know, I was getting recruited by like some Mac schools, also some like one double A schools for football. So some smaller schools. And then, you know, lacrosse recruitment kind of took off as I was approaching my senior year of high school. And then that's when like a lot of the bigger offers started to roll in from the bigger schools. And I always wanted to go to a big college town. And I think that that's what intrigued me initially about Ohio State and just Columbus, Ohio. Um, and so when I took my visit for lacrosse here to Columbus, I just like fell in love with the city, fell in love with the school, the university. Um, I mean, anybody who comes around this town, you kind of feel that, you know, that vibrant um, feel, you know, uh, coming around here. And so decided to actually step away from football and join the lacrosse team here at Ohio State on scholarship. Um, Moved out here in 2013, which was my freshman year. And then we met in 2014 when I, yeah, midway through my freshman year in 2013, I was just kind of going through that, like, you know, that doubt of, did I make the right move? Yeah, the withdrawal from football. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Much of like what we experienced when it left us later on. Um, But yeah, I was definitely, definitely experiencing that while I was playing lacrosse, I just missed it. I missed the game. I missed the brotherhood in the locker room. Um, It's just different. You know, I feel like all these sports are unique in their own way. And I feel like with football, it just has that certain level of intensity um, with it. And yeah, it drew me back, man. I wanted to potentially transfer, um, walk on the team. I was trying to figure out what to do. I just knew I wanted to play football again. Um, So basically in 2014, as I was transitioning to my sophomore year of college, I decided to step away from the lacrosse team. I ended up quitting and walking away from the lacrosse team, but had like a really good kind of exit with the, with the coach. I mm-hmm. talked with Nick Myers, the head coach of so lacrosse. So I was about to say, was
0: Nick still the coach at that time? Yeah. So
1: yeah. great, phenomenal coach. He was, he was really good um, with, just handled the whole situation just really well. And yeah. he supported me and was like, Hey, if you feel like you got to make this jump, like you got to follow your heart, you got to do it. Um, and so 2014 decided to step away from the lacrosse team, walked on the football team, and that's when, you know, I really started to understand how big-time big, big time football works. Listen,
0: I can't imagine walking onto a place like Ohio State. I mean, I remember, you know, kind of – I think it was my going into my freshman year, going into mm-hmm. my sophomore year, and seeing a walk-on tryout. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what's going on out there? I think they're yeah. going to, like, getting ready for a military boot camp or something like that because it was so intense. And I think it was mm-hmm. about 300 guys – maybe – 100. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of guys, and I think they picked how many to join the team as walk-ons? I think it's there like, was like a not even 10%. Percent. Yeah. yeah, not even 10% of those guys. So out of those 100, 150 guys, probably I think it's maybe opportunity for maybe seven or eight guys to mm-hmm. walk on to the football program, which is crazy to stand out and all those guys, because you got a lot of guys that prefer walk-ons coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. you got a lot of guys that's transitioning from other sports. Yeah. a lot of good athletes that say, hey, I want to go be able to have an opportunity to walk on to a major university like Ohio State and to add value to this team. Yeah. And uh it's pretty cool to see that you was one of the seven or eight guys.
1: Yeah, dude. Absolutely. And that's what was so kind of unique about my situation was I came from a pretty reputable high school. We have a great football team. And Ed Warner at the time was recruiting um, several guys from my high school. And my high school coach actually got me in touch with Ed Warner when I was making this transition. And he was kind of like my foot in the door because I had gotten recruited out of high school. Like I had tape that they could watch. And it was kind of like a weird preferred walk on situation where Mm -hmm. like they I technically was like I didn't have to try out. So I actually joined the team like mid-season, but I didn't get to go to camp. So it was like this weird kind of in-between where I was like a preferred walk-on, but I didn't really like get to participate in camp. So I was kind of just like thrown right into the mix, (laughs) like literally right out the gate, Virginia Tech week, like literally joined the team like that week, I think, leading up to that game. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. So leading into all of that, just being a uh, walk-on at a university, you hear so many stories about – you know, how walk-ons are treated and things like that. And is, Um, you know, one thing I can say, and I want to hear your experience from being a walk-on at mm-hmm. Ohio State. Um, we had a walk-on quarterback, a few of them in our, in our room, Leon, uh, what was it? Leon Ratliff. I cannot remember his name to save my life, but he only stayed for like one semester. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, we treated this guy as good as we treated anyone else. I'm talking about from the coaches on down. Mm-hmm. Did you get that vibe going into a room like a linebacker room or just being around a team as a whole? Because you hear stories about, oh, walk-ons this, you know, they get treated like crap and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. it is some rules and regulations. I don't know how they are now with yeah. the NCAA, which, you know, walk-ons I think couldn't eat at our training table stuff like that. But we used to – take so much more food to give to them to make Mm -hmm. sure they feel as much as a part of the team as possible. Yeah. Do you feel like you were treated as I want to say equal in that aspect to a certain extent of what we were allowed to do or how we treated you overall as being a walk-on versus seeing how guys were treated as a a scholarship player.
1: Yeah, dude. I think, like, at Ohio State, it was really unique with, like, guys like yourself and, you know, guys who were, you know, just bigger names in the program and and more prominent players. Like, I feel like a lot of you guys – like literally, for the most part, we're awesome. Like, like we're so like welcoming of the walk-ons. You guys respected us. Um, like, we didn't really feel like outcasts to the players. I think like to the coaches sometimes. Like, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> you for know sure. how it is. I mean, um, man, yeah, you can yeah. be treated a little bit differently. And that's what was so hard for me early on was because like you know you you never want to feel like you deserve like a spot. And I learned that once again, I think we all kind of go through that at one point where we're like, you know, we think we're at a certain level, but it's like, you know, you're not really where you think you are when you're comparing yourself to all these other elite athletes. Mm. And so I always kind of felt like I was a little bit more talented, you know, than some of these like standard walk-ons. And so it was kind of hard for me at first when like I was going through that adversity. But what was cool is that like all the players for the most part really were great and like i always tell people that i'm like a lot of the guys like really treated us well respected us like didn't just like treat us like crap um like like we were just like a nobody um like i said for the most part you (laughs) know you have you have those couple guys where like they're like ah whatever you know exactly
0: no i can remember times where you know um Especially getting late into the season where, you know, you get your starters a little bit more rest because mm. maybe they're, you know, been banging up or they're banged up. You know, you went into week eight, nine, 10. Oh, yeah. Where you're trying to really preserve the body for the critical part of the season. And you throw some walk-ons in some situations <laughs> where, you know, they almost like tackling dummies. You yes. know what I'm saying? So yes. I remember those moments <laughs> of, of watching it like, oh, man, Jesus, that's, that's tough. But yeah. Um, no, that's great, man. And then kind of transitioning into just your time at Ohio state, um, you know, through the walk on being a walk on and evidently, um, pretty much putting yourself in a position to add legit value to the team Mm -hmm. in any and every role you play on and off the field. Mm -hmm. Now, how was that transition? And and how did you get to that point?
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, it was, it was wild. Like kind of like what I was just saying, I had the naive thought of like, oh, I'm going to you know get in here, I'm going to play, I'm going to – like I had these wild all, goals. Because
0: I, I promise you, every yeah. high school athlete coming out of high school who's been recruited now and to the end of time is going to win a Heisman, who's yeah. going to be All-American, yep. and is everybody – all those guys are going number one pick mm-hmm. overall in whatever their sport is, I promise you, because oh, absolutely. that's all our mindsets, that's all we know.
1: Yeah, so dude, of course, like I had the very similar mindset, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to you know get into this program, I'm going to prove myself, play, and adversity hit. Like you really are like – really the lowest of the low, as far as like the (laughs) roster goes, like, I will never forget my first year on the team. You had like a block of players that dressed for the game. You had guys that would wear their Jersey on the sidelines. And then at the very, very bottom, you had guys with tickets to the stands. Like you literally were a spectator in the stands as a part of the team. Um, wild. And I was one of those guys to start out and I wanted to play, but that division was so wide. I'm like, shit, like I got to, or I got a long way to go. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot to prove. And, you know, I just realized kind of over time, what what are the things that the coaches are looking for? You know, what are what are the plays throughout practice that they're really, like, breaking down, looking at? Like, mm-hmm. what what are they evaluating? What are they taking seriously? And over time, I got a little bit more strategic about it. You know, it, it went beyond just, like, okay, I know I have to, like, show up, and, like, it has to be noticeable that I'm playing well. Right. Um, So I think, like, really starting to take that shift of, like, I need to make these reps count. I can't feel sorry for myself going into these practices like I used to, like the first couple of years where it's like, you know, woe is me, like victim mindset, like, you know, blaming the coaches, blaming my scenario. Um, And I just kind of started to take that shift through my later years of, you know, I just got to show up and like give it literally everything I got every single day and bring that high level of effort, especially in those moments where I know, like, hey, it's me going against a starter. Hey, it's me going against, you know, our starting kick return team, or kickoff team, or punt team. Um, And I knew that, like, Urban Meyer, he was very passionate about special teams. So we were always, he was always breaking down that film in front of everybody. So I'm like, this is a chance, you know, to really kind of prove myself against starters.
0: Exactly. To be evaluated on a high level in front of everybody. We Mm -hmm. created such a culture of um, you know, discomfort around a Woody, which oh, is yeah. our, you know, training facility for people who don't know, that it was, you know, you were put on notice every day, oh, yeah. you know, from that type of environment of bringing the whole team together. We watching, you know, some top plays, mm-hmm. right? We, it may be a touchdown, but we didn't probably see on the backside where, you know, Joey Bosa bull rushed somebody or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody got pancake or somebody got crossed up off the line of scrimmage. And those type of situations were on notice 24-7 for us. And mm-hmm. I think that's what really helped us create that culture of, Um, discomfort if you wasn't performing giving it your all. Yeah, Yeah. giving it your all or performing at that level and ultimately help us win a national title. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, I think one of the key features that we had, you know, throughout our team is just that that culture of toughness and competitiveness, Mm -hmm. you know, in everything. Oh yeah. You know, and um, you know, some say that, you know, um, you know, that is in the way of coaching and, and, and training in this day and age now, but, you know, I, everybody got their own opinion about it. For you know, sure. It ultimately got us the results we was out to get mm-hmm. as a team and as individuals as well. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot of just what that mindset, what that environment has done for us in life after football. Oh, and we're going to get yeah. to that later on in the show, which, you know, I don't know where I would have been if we went to a program that didn't install certain – certain characteristics in us as a team and that accountability level. So mm-hmm. that's always good to get someone else's perspective, especially someone else who's been through it, literally on the opposite side of the ball. So mm-hmm. uh, that's good to know, man. I mean, because, like I said, I share the same type of feelings about how we all kind of ended up in the spotlight sooner rather than later or re- later rather than sooner. Yeah, You know, me going through my time at Ohio State being pretty much treated like a walk-on in the very beginning, you know, third, fourth-string quarterback going in there. And even though my play wasn't on the field yet, I knew everything I was doing in practice, sacrificing my body Mm -hmm. and preparing was ultimately helping this team get the success that we wanted. Oh yeah. Especially in my earlier years, you know, I make the joke that I was probably the only quarterback live in Ohio state history all the way up until <laughs> yeah. my last year of college. Yeah. You know, literally. it was like, Hey, you can't hit them now because literally we have no one else. Yeah. you know, But <laughs> you know, but those little type of things. And I love that because I knew I was helping getting our defense ready mm-hmm. for any and every situation that you know, a potential other team quarterback may face. But look, really just diving into, um, this team now and kind of some of the similarities that I personally see in this 2023 team versus, you know, some of the teams I was, we were a part of at Ohio state now. And I make the comparison all the time that this team remind me of 2015. Yeah. Hopefully they get the different results than we did, even though we were able to win a Fiesta bow. Mm-hmm. But um, do you see some of those similarities? And I'm gonna tell you, my, minds are dominant defense all, uh, offense with a lot of talent and just still haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, but they show flashes and when they show those flashes, it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. But the defense is just keep getting better. keep being consistent. Um, Yeah, you see some of those similarities. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. I feel like, you know, a lot of times, especially with like the offensive side of the ball, like you need that chemistry and that cohesiveness on the defensive side. But like, I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, like it is crucial that everybody's on the same page. You experience that as a quarterback, me even being on the other side of the ball. It was very evident that like when you guys were in your flow, everybody was on the same page. Receivers, linemen you know running back quarterback across the board everybody's on the same page like that's when the magic happens like that's really when you see these explosive teams take off and yeah, i feel like
0: and, and offense is the ultimate team sport football is the yeah. ultimate team sport but offense is the ultimate team sport because yes you can have 11 guys you can have 10 guys do the right thing one guy do the wrong thing the play mm-hmm. look like dog shit yeah right for the most part <laughs> yeah but think about on defense you can have 10 guys going the wrong way to the, the db mm-hmm. make a pick right or or you're supposed to make a sack, strip mm-hmm. sack. Oh, that was the best play ever. Yeah, but no one. Sees that. The other ten guys actually screwed it up. Yeah, or something like that. So, its all, offense is the ultimate team sport, and it's mm-hmm. ultimate when it comes to accountability. Because I gotta trust and believe that my guy to my left, my yep. guy to my right. If I'm the quarterback, the guys in front of me are doing what they're supposed to do for the success of this play. Absolutely, And it looks so crazy on offense because sometimes we judge the success or stand on track. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting, you know. Four yards a pop. You stand on track as four, four, four. is the first down. Yeah. Right. So, and um, know, and I, I kind of look at some of the things now within this program now. of, you know, like just the culture, it just it just shifted mm-hmm. because of the culture shift in in our society. Yeah. Right. Not good. Not bad. Just different.
1: Just different. Right? Yeah. It's a different time.
0: Um, yes, it's just a different time. You know, and like I said before, it just this team just remind me of that 2015 team where our defense really held us together. For you sure, know, throughout the whole year, because we was going through so many ups and downs mm-hmm. on on freaking offense, um, just a lack of production with all these star players. What was you guys even over there talking about in the defensive rooms? Or was just looking <laughs> at us in practice or in games? Like they got all these guys score some points. Like yeah. what's going on? Yeah, like I would love to know what was you guys' mindset going into these games.
1: Yeah, I feel like you know, a lot of times the defense knows it's their job to hold the team. Obviously, to low amount of points like that's the that's the goal is like we've got to hold this t- hold this team from scoring and like th- at the end of the day like that's our job so as you know I mean there's always you know the beef and the talk back and forth <laughs> offense defensively but I feel like at, at a very you know foundational level it was like hey we know if we want to go far we got to keep doing what we're doing we got to hold them and hold these teams to to low Low points, like we can't have them scoring. We can't have, you know, the offense, like basically like not throwing the blame, I would yeah. say. You know, yeah, really yeah. just taking taking ownership of like, hey, we know we're a foundational component of this team with holding teams to, you know, less touchdowns, less points in general. And that's just what we have to continue to do. If we want to be successful long-term, it goes back to that, that team culture, kind of like you talked about.
0: I mean, you will walk through our facility and you see all the time, do your job.
1: Yeah. Do your job. At the end
0: of the day, you know, if I was a coach and my mentality would be very similar to a lot of the coaches that we were coached by, because in the day, you got to do your job. Yeah. I don't care what the offense do. I yeah, don't care like what the defense do. Whatever they're gotta doing, gotta stop, like is that? Right, exactly. Well, you got to stop this team. Mm-hmm. You, you know, offense, your job is to score. Yeah. Right? You're a quarterback, your job is to protect the football, put us in the right position to have success. Simple. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the circumstances. I don't care about the weather. I don't care if you're hurting or anything. Guess mm-hmm. what? You hurt? Yeah, okay. Everybody's hurting. Like So the excuses, we eliminated excuses before they even came up. Yeah. Right? So um, I see a lot of that in this team where. I don't see a real standout player that outside of, you know, the, the names, Marvin Harrison, Emeka, you know, things like that, um, that is like they're the reason why we're winning the games versus right. this is a whole unit type of deal where mm-hmm. I don't think our defense at Ohio State right now have that dominant pass rusher right now or run stopper right now. But that unit up front is playing so well mm-hmm. together. They don't need one right out of the seven out of the front seven guys because he was a former linebacker who are you most impressed with right now for this 20 this 2023
1: team dude yeah i think i mean just watching these linebackers like like steel chambers and and tommy you know really just like attacking the football and attacking the line of scrimmage like i think that that's something that they've really turned they've really turned a, a corner you know with their talent and with just like their awareness on the field And i think a lot of it is maturity thing yeah. um that's what we're seeing with this ohio state team in 2023 is like can we put it together can we play as a cohesive unit like we were just talking about and I think if they just continue to do their job you know like we talked about keep that mindset of hey like regardless of how one side of the ball is performing, I'm going to show up and do my job. They're going to keep pushing the needle forward. And yeah, I would say like just up front between the linemen and the linebackers, just seeing them attacking the line of scrimmage, like same thing on offense. Like, you know, in the last game, you started to see that push from the O line. You started to see Mm -hmm. that line of scrimmage being moved. And I feel like we're doing a really good job on the defensive side of the ball, really attacking and pushing that line of scrimmage on the other side. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, and I agree. I agree. You know, I had an opportunity to really sit down and watch the game versus Penn State this past weekend. You know, um, I think we started to lean on them um, a little bit on uh, both sides of the ball in the front seven mm-hmm. um, towards later in the game. And that's what you usually see, especially this time of the year when it gets a little bit colder and, uh, you know, it, it hurts a little bit more getting up off that ground, <laughs> off that turf. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, usually the toughest team is, you know, kind of prevailing in those situations. But when we talk about tough teams in tough environments, Ohio State is on the road this weekend. Mm-hmm. Going up to Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. playing Wisconsin, your former coach. That's right. <laughs> coach Fick. <laughs> what do you remember about Coach Fick and being coached by him to your time at Ohio State?
1: So Coach Fick was one of those coaches where <laughs> when you're playing under him, you hate him. <laughs> but then when you not leave the first time I heard this. But when you leave and you're and you're not being coached by him anymore, you're a changed person. you I'm forever grateful for him and for what he instilled in us, Mm -hmm. um, as, as men really. Um, and you know, I kind of joke about that because I love coach Vic. Um, but he did, he made it kind of like you were saying earlier, the culture, he made it so uncomfortable that like, if you were not, excelling if you were not playing at an elite level like you stood out it was uncomfortable like you you were a sore thumb in that linebacker room if you were you know not showing up on time if you were not bringing a high level of energy and effort every single day like he instilled that in us. we couldn't just like walk into a meeting room and like be like ah you know it's yeah. just another day like you got to bring energy you got to bring enthusiasm and like they're calling that shit out yeah. and and that's just something that coach Fick did so well is he made the culture so uncomfortable for those that didn't buy in that it brought up just everybody in that room and elevated us. And I'll just never forget something that literally changed the whole course of my life. Um, and my mindset was an exercise that we did. It was like one off season and coach Fick did this. And I think we did it as a team where it was like, would I hire you? Mm -hmm. And it was like, based off of like your attitude, like how did you show up? Like, How did you contribute to the team? Um, What was your attitude? You know, what was your demeanor like every day? And they would literally evaluate you not only as a football player, but literally as a man and be like, would I hire you? If I was like someone that was looking to hire you. And I remember like my first offseason, he was like, I wouldn't hire you. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was, it it was very like, straight to the point but But that goes back to the point not to cut you
0: off and let you finish your story yeah it goes back to the point of the environment that we created it was always on notice it Mm -hmm. was always environment being uncomfortable so if I'm telling you this but I'm also going to give you the tools and the reasoning why Mm -hmm. to hopefully help you change my mindset or an employer's mindset Mm -hmm. at the end of the day so you can get that job so you can have that opportunity and it's so great to hear and it's unique to hear um, the different cultures underneath the culture, yeah, right. We had this culture as a team, and then every position unit, every position unit, and their leaders, their head uh, position coaches, had its own culture that was installing into those players, yeah, right. So that's pretty. It's, it's great to hear that Coach Fick, um, you know, put you guys on notice in, in such a environment where it was brutally honest,
1: yeah. And that's and that's the thing is like I feel like in a lot of what we do I feel like maybe in a lot of programs today like maybe you don't you just don't have that maybe you just don't have those coaches like calling guys out cuz it's uncomfortable in the moment, un- yeah, yeah. but it but it makes you a better person long term and like I said I mean that that changed the whole course of my life and my mindset approaching you know, jobs approaching my own entrepreneurial journey, like making, like really taking into consideration all the little things, like, like the details, how, how you show up, like, Mm -hmm. what is the attitude, like being like on time, all the little things that like that other people don't think about, we stress over and we obsess over. And that's what Fick did you know, to me and to a lot of the guys that played under him. And I can only imagine, you know, that is a culture that he's instilling, you know, into Wisconsin, for example. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Because you look at the places he's been so far as a head coach, Cincinnati, uh, now have an opportunity at Wisconsin. um We'll see. Maybe one day back at Ohio State after Ryan Day wins a million championships and, <laughs> and you know ride out into the uh, in the sunset. But um, you hear the same things about some of the players that he coached at Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. you know Sauce Gardner, uh, All Pro freaking defensive back for the Jets. Oh, yeah. You know he talked highly of fic. Kobe Bryant, um, s- defensive back for Seattle. Um, he talks very highly of him. And then, and then the list goes on from people that he's had not just coach player relationship with, but just um any type of relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know he's a guy that is going to demand excellence out of anyone because he's giving you his all every day. 100%. He's the same guy every day. He was actually the guy who recruited me to Ohio State um, out of Cleveland, out of Glenville. Mm-hmm. So I um, always had that respect for him. I always thought that was weird that you know, I thought they were trying to tell me something when it was a defensive guy recruiting me. I'm like, I play quarterback,
1: though. <laughs> you guys moved me to DM. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just
0: like, what's going on here? But, no, that, that's that's crazy. And I think, you know, you talked about the lessons that Coach Fick has installed in you or things that you picked up from him that help you through life and life after football. Um, one of the biggest things that were on notice when we were playing, for the most part, especially at Ohio State, was concussions. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest thing, right? I think the movie Concussion had just came out. Um, some bad things that happened around the NFL for some hits where um, some guys that shouldn't have went back in games at that point, I think it's like 2014, 2013. Um, so concussions was the biggest thing, right? You saw the technology and the development of different helmets and, and, and the rules start to change on crackbacks and stuff like that. And now on that still an emphasis, but now it's more in sports and life period now in, in today's society is mental health. Mm-hmm. So A lot of things that people don't understand, the transition from playing a sport you've been playing all your life since you was probably six years old. Let's say if life after football ends for guys at 22 on average, right? You know, you've been playing a sport. This is all you know for the most part. The way that you operate in a football arena, the way that you operate in, for the most part in a locker room is really not acceptable in the real world. Mm -hmm. So you have so many athletes You know, especially in a sport like football that happened one day sooner rather than later for majority of us Mm -hmm. had to hang up those cleats um, when, you know, and and a lot of that time is not even determined by your own circumstances. Right. It may be some other circumstances you can't control Mm -hmm. that forces you to hang those things up. And that mindset of being an athlete of just, oh, suck it up, deal with it, fight through it oh, we don't have time for emotions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That is complete opposite for life. And, you know, I think a lot of guys who struggle with the transition for life after football, whenever that day may comes, it's because of some of those things that we were installed in at such a young age playing the sport. With your transition with life after football and some of the great things you're doing now with, you know, you and your fiancé, Um, podcast, and then, you know, you in a uh, athletic, I mean, in a training world, in a fitness world with Mm -hmm. um, everyday athlete, how did you deal with some of those kind of mental barriers and, you know, for the most part, some of those depression type things started to seep in Mm -hmm. when you decided to hang it up?
1: Yeah, man. It's like you said, it's one of those situations, like this whole concept of the transition is just so fascinating to me because it's not something you really understand until you go through it. It's like one of those things where like and I, I was even talking to other guys we played with that are transitioning out of playing in the NFL and it's like that's all you've known. like that's literally no matter what like as hard as you try, it becomes who you are. like mm-hmm. it, it does. It becomes your complete identity. And when that's gone, you know, you are very lost, you know, it's a struggle. And I think a lot of us underestimate like how difficult that transition really is until you face it and you're literally going through it. And it's like, damn, like this is really over Um, because it's like you said, your whole life, you've been really groomed to operate in a way, you know, for that sport. And it's going to look different now. And it's going to be you know, something totally new and different as you step into life beyond that sport and beyond that reality that you were in for so long. And I know for me, like I underestimated how much it would, it would like I would struggle. Um, and I remember like being at the peak, like reaching all of these goals, you know, becoming a scholarship athlete on the team after being a walk on, like getting the national championship, like you hit like the highest of highs. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, like we may never reach that again and, and nothing and, though, and nothing and
0: nothing i mean in your real world you're you're when it comes to just life after ball and your careers after that and anything you mm-hmm. may never reach the pinnacle of whatever field you win if that's mm-hmm. if that's being a mailman if that's being a ceo before or if that's working for a fortune 500 company right mm-hmm. you may never get to that role of I'm having the highest of highest success in this field. And it's, it's no another level from this. Right. right? I'm, I'm a college athlete. I can't win a national championship or it's nothing after winning a national championship. Yes. Right. So um, that's a great point you make because a lot of, like you said, a lot of people don't cope with it or deal with it in a way. And, in, in, you know, the most accurate way from the way we eat from the way we sleep, from the way we train, things like that. I'm like, you know, you can't just keep putting down 3,000 calories a day and not burning them off as you used to do in a right. practice or in a game or just, you know, going through that r- weekly routine of, mm-hmm. you know, and we talked about it because now, you know, for a lot of people who don't know, Zach is a personal trainer now with every, in his own business, everyday athletes, um, where – we talked about the way that you train me. Mm-hmm. It's not one size fit all. No. Right. So my training, your, my training resume from you is completely different from your 50, 30 other clients. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you understanding that and, you know, think about when we training with football, we all do the same thing. Yeah. you know, we all try to figure out how can we move the most weight as possible or how mm-hmm. can we all develop this explosiveness or jumping or all these different abilities. So just the whole mindset change, I think people don't understand, um, it's, every aspect of your life has to shift mm-hmm. in a direction where it's going to be more suitable for you long-term in society, yeah. you know, but some of the things we do learn from this sport, teamwork, dedication, sacrifice, you know, hard work and things like that. Um, it does help us in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, in the relationships that we we have made throughout this sport But it's just we had to go about them a little bit differently.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And it's like taking that, yeah, like you said, like taking those things that we learned as an athlete and applying them to our life after. And that's, you know, earlier you asked me, like, you know, how have, you know, I coped with, you know, feeling that loss and that almost those depressive emotions of like, I'm no longer this person I was. And that's what made me fall in love with health and fitness and, and training and, and treating your body um, in a healthy way. Because what we did as athletes, if you think about it, if you boil it down to its foundation, it was personal development. Yep. It was how can I become a better athlete? How can I become a better quarterback? How can I watch? Like, what do I need to do to do that? It's to watch the film. It's to fuel my body properly. It's to train. And at the very foundational level, we always had that progression. Yep. From our sport. And when that leaves, we have no progression. Yeah. And without that progression, we go crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know.
0: I mean, I just recently wrote a book and um, you know, and it just came out about three weeks ago and everybody keeps asking me, How did you start this? When did you start? It's like it was when the first year COVID, that was the mm-hmm. first time I was out of sports in fall. And it was out of my routine. I was waking up at the normal times I would usually go train no training because gyms were closed. Mm-hmm. There was no balls, no film to watch. And I'm just looking at my day like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Right? So that was one thing that I just picked up. And I will never forget this. I was with the Buffalo Bills my rookie year. And um, it was actually Coach Lynn, Anthony Lynn, who drafted me there. And then he traded for me when he got the head coaching job with the L.A. Um, Chargers at the time. And uh, we had our rookie symposium, and I was speaking to some of our guys and, you know, one thing he stressed, he he always knew clearly when you in it, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, but you don't know that everybody think they go play for 20 years. Right. everybody oh, yeah. think they play for a long, long time. But the reality is that it don't happen for the majority. Mm-hmm. And one thing he always stressed to help make football fun again at that level, because it's such a stressful, high intense environment where every day you won't notice as well. Um, he would say, find something you love to do outside of football so mm-hmm. football can be easy again, so you can enjoy it, so you don't have that burden on your shoulder saying, oh, my God, if I don't make it, I don't know what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so many other factors that plays into this sport that can hinder you from, quote, unquote, making it. Oh yeah. You know, you have so many different things, and I try to stress this to, you know, I have a nephew who is playing right now and and, and at, at a high level, and I'm just like, dude, you have to do everything in your power to make sure – you are doing the things that's going to help you reach your goals because it's so many things that you can't control that's going to affect that. Mm -hmm. Right. From coaching staff, from, um, from potential position changes, from someone might be better than you. Yeah. Right. To, to, uh, to uh, uh, offensive style or defensive style. It's so many things that factors that you don't control that Mm -hmm. has a major impact on your success of this sport. The ones that you can not control, what you put in your body, your rest, and all—you better control the shit out of those things. Yeah, you know. And, and a quote before we wrap it up here, um, you know, that Coach Meyer used to always say to us, and I and I literally live my day, live my life by this. Now, it, you have a goal, and is if you're doing something that's going to help you reach that d- goal, do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And you don't think it's going to help you reach that goal, don't do it. Don't it's do simple. It. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's going to help you <laughs> reach your goal, do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But you can ask yourself, and I get an example when I have an opportunity to speak to people, I say, okay, my goal right now is to, let's say it's drop 20 pounds. Right. right. Well, I'm headed home and I'm hungry. If I stop at McDonald's, is that going to help me reach my goal and get a freaking Big Mac? Or if I go home and, and eat some of the meal prep already had or eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to help? Right? Okay, I've got probably go home. Okay, well, go home. Yeah. You know, so it's very simple. So, <laughs> on that note, man, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for giving us some insight on mm-hmm. just, you know, your time at Ohio State and the kind of a little bit of life after football. And I appreciate it, man. And uh, go, Bucks.
1: Hell yeah, man. Go, Bucks. Thank
0: you for having me, guys.